2: Welcome to Any Stupid Questions, the podcast that gets experts to explain important things in response to some really basic questions. I'm Danielle Ward, and here to explain how newspapers work is Hugo Rifkin, a columnist and lead writer for The Times, or if you're listening in America, The London Times. Also joining me to ask the stuff we should have been taught at school are comedians Margaret Cable Smith and Gabriel Abulu. So, Hugo, when does the owner dictate the front page? Is it in the morning or in the <sighs> evening?
3: Um, The honest answer is I don't really know, because... I've never been aware of an owner dictating a front page. And I think I would be aware because I write editorials, which means I'm in there in the bit where the decisions are getting made. So if the owner is dictating to someone in a way that is concealed from the likes of me, then my last four editors have been really good at, at hiding that. That being said, the kind of newspaper I work for, maybe they're not the kind of newspapers that owners dictate.
2: But there must be some sort of editorial line to toe. Yes, yes they, of course. Yeah. Do they say every week? Yeah.
4: This is what we think this week.
3: No, I mean, my, my job is literally discussing and deciding what the newspaper thinks. That's what a, a leader writer does. I mean, look, there are there are reasons why I've got my job. There are reasons why the people I speak to have got their job. Probably if I was going to have the sort of view that the owner didn't think the newspaper should be expressing, which is not necessarily the same thing as the owner's view, yeah. you see what I mean, then I might not be doing the job anyway. But the idea of direct input, you I mean, you, you probably want to ask someone who works for a tabloid.
2: Well, I was going to say because... There are some really nice people who work for the Daily Mail. Are oh, there? Well, <laughs> my friend Bridget Christie Bridget Christie used, used, to used to write for the yeah. Mail, yeah. Is like, is she, it, she is, yeah. She
3: is nice, yeah. She is really yeah. nice, yeah. Really nice yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah, she used to write the... Was it the diary?
3: Diarists are different.
2: Are oh, they? Is that I different? was a
3: diarist. Diarists are different. Dark, well, dark nice. art. It's a, it's a cult. <laughs> it's a different thing.
2: So I was reading an article about someone who worked at the Daily Mail, and basically... They don't believe anything that they are writing, but they do it anyway. Is that common in journalism?
3: Depends what you mean. I mean, see, the, da- the Daily Mail is, again, sort of different because the Daily Mail slightly muddles together its reporting and its commentary. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get in a proper grown-up newspaper, you won't get a columnist writing something they don't think. They might decide that it's useful for them to think it, and mm-hmm. they might not have thought it a bit earlier, but you won't—you wouldn't be told what to write. You wouldn't be expected to write but something you, you do
4: but, but are you really saying that columnists don't ever make up an opinion
3: well I mean it's, it's actually quite hard to make up an opinion because if you go to all the effort of making up an opinion you might as well just have one it's, mm. it's sort of the same thing you do end up thinking what would I think about that not what do I think about that but it's sort of it's almost but the if same you, question
4: alright but if what you think is something pretty sort of nuanced and or boring
3: I oh, see so you've read my columns yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah which but I think that that's most people isn't it that you know well I, I suppose if you're forced to come up with an opinion yeah then you do have to go on one side. But isn't generally your opinion a bit more like, um, uh, I don't know? And yes, you're right, that would be a boring column. I mean, yes, you have read but... my columns. <laughs>
3: uh, but um, yeah, I mean, if you have a boring opinion, you try and write either write it excitingly or you write about something else. I mean, I think generally the columnists I know who have extreme opinions, and I know quite a lot of them, do do believe they, that. they do think that
2: we've got onto to this a bit early but Sorry. <laughs> yeah. well, no 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 but it's really interesting so someone like katie hopkins i know yeah. she doesn't obviously write for a grown-up newspaper mm-hmm. but do you think she genuinely believes or is there money to be made from basically forming opinions that are just going to get like clickbait type well first i
3: don't think you can really separate the two okay i mean the, I, my, I had a horrific experience with katie hopkins once i've met her only once and it was at a party and she came up to me and said i've always wanted to meet you you write the things that everybody else is afraid to. And then she went away. And Ooh. I thought, my God, if Katie Hopkins <laughs> is saying so that to horrendous. you, what have I done wrong? And then, a little later, I realised she probably thought I was Giles Corrin. Oh. So it was fine. <laughs> um, but, um, no, I think Katie That's Ho- like an anxiety dream. Yeah, it was a bit, really, it was this moment of abject fucking horror of who, who even am I? Um, but um, I think she believes everything she writes. But I think also you... You probably, if you're someone like her, you probably get yourself into a corner, right? Because she writes things to upset people. The more people she upsets, it makes her feel she's doing the right thing because she's upsetting people she doesn't like. Mm -hmm. And the more she upsets the people she doesn't like, the more she thinks she's doing the right thing, the more she comes to believe it. I think you kind of, you radicalise yourself, I reckon, if you are that kind of sort of shock jock columnist, yeah. And
2: and do you think she should be allowed that platform?
3: I'm glad she hasn't got it anymore, which I don't know if that's quite the same question. I don't... um, I don't know, I don't, I don't quite know which way around whose problem it is. Mm-hmm. There's a problem with the media publications generally being very bad at explaining what it means to have a platform. So, I mean, like, I can't really speak about Katie Hopkins, but I used to work for The Spectator for a long time, left them very sadly in the summer. I wrote for them for 10 years, and I was their centre-left columnist, although some people find that hilarious, but in Spectator terms, <laughs> I absolutely was. And there were, you know, people like Tacky writes for The Spectator. Now, Tacky is a, he's a supporter of Golden Dawn. He says the same thing as anti-Semites, whether that means he's an anti-Semite, and in conversation, too. And people were like, um, often said to me, how can you write for the same publication? Don't you think it's outrageous he has a platform? And it's like there's this sort of almost quite holy thing in newspapers and in magazines that you give platforms, that that at the editorial level you... You allow things to be said that would not otherwise be said, and then you oppose them if they're difficult. And it's not—it's it, there's there's a difference between giving somebody a platform
1: and endorsing what they say from that platform.
2: Yeah, Gabriel, yes. do you have a question?
1: Yes, I do. Who writes the puns? You know the headlines. Oh yeah, <laughs> is it like a team of people? Is there like a section? If you go to the start offices, <laughs> right? Yeah, is there like a um, group of people like just writing puns all day.
3: Normally not. Or so it's it's normally like a sort of a role you fall into. You know, basically you've got. The structure of a newspaper, generally, you've got the you've got the editors, you've got the uh, you've got the reporters, you've got the sub editors, who like you know edit the copy, and then you've got this thing called the backbench, who kind of pull everything together, um, and they're a bit productiony, a bit subby, a bit editorially, they do all these kind of things, and normally on a backbench, you'll have a couple of geniuses who come up with who come up with the buns.
1: So it's not like an assigned role. So I it's can't not, like apply to be the pun guy. You, you probably
3: you probably can't quite make a living out of it. Uh. You, you'd get like one pun every three weeks. You know, uh. it just wouldn't <laughs> headlines Headline. are a nightmare. Headlines are really who okay. writes the headlines? Yes, exactly. Depends because writers who? don't depends. write their
4: own headlines, and they're always complaining about it. aren't Depend,
3: they? Well, it depends which bit. So if like with 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 leaders, you know, the unsigned bits, the voice of the paper, the inexplicable convention is the person who's written it does write the headline so I write headlines for that and it's very difficult Mm -hmm. on my columns I don't write the headlines and of course you always get in fact my twitter bio thing is I didn't write the headline though because that's what (laughs) everyone always attacks you on the basis of the headline but really what's happening with the headline is the headline is the paper's view of what you've written it's not your view of what you've written so in a way the headline is is the newspaper reporting, reporting on your column in the same way the newspaper would report on anything else.
2: You say a lot of people complain about them, and so my next question is, below-the-line comments, good idea or not?
3: For who?
0: For for (laughs) everyone. everyone. (laughs) Obviously,
2: there are some stories that don't have comments open for very good reasons, Mm -hmm. but do you think, in general, if you've written something, do you want any old member of the public to be able to wade in underneath?
3: I'm a sort of bit of a masochist in that regard. I love comments. I always read comments. You know, I'm very active on Twitter. I um, I don't mind, I don't mind the abuse. I find the abuse quite useful. It helps me to sort of shape my perspective of myself. Oh, do you love that?
4: But, do you honestly not? <laughs> feel...
3: I tell them to fuck off a lot. No, yeah. um, <laughs> no, no, and I and I <laughs> yeah, love you for yeah. it.
4: But. I get hurt by my children vaguely insulting me. Do you honestly? Does it honestly not bother you? Obviously, it depends. It depends
3: what it says. I think I'm quite.
4: Are you going to tell us what to say to hurt you? Yes, <laughs> but,
3: uh, I think I'm quite hardened. Generally, you know, my father was a politician. I'm have grown up being fully comfortable with the idea that, that strangers will hate you. That's fine mm. uh, bus stops, even.
2: You should be a stand-up. <laughs>
3: well, thank you. Um, but um, but sort of more than that. Generally, the abuse you get as a journalist it's not for what you've done it's for what you think so it's like very occasionally you'll get something that's actually criticising the craft of what you've done mm. but normally that's by someone whose opinion you wouldn't respect anyway you know, what do you, what do you know? Uh, sure
4: but isn't what you, you think even more a part of you than what you write? Look, on the, Getting philosophical here, so. On
3: the rare occasion you'll get a literate bit of abuse from someone who's actually understood what you're saying and has critiqued it not just in a way that makes you realise you're wrong, because that can be quite rewarding, but in a way that makes you realise you're wrong and is personally hurtful, then it's upsetting. Okay, I'll but that's, aim a, for that that's then. a that's a that's <laughs> pretty rare. That's pretty rare.
2: So that's your take on it. Do on- you think they should be open up in general to? Because obviously there's a. A lot of women, a lot of female com- columnists, yeah, do you, are subject to abuse. It's
3: horrendous. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm firstly, there's a difference between opinion columns and news articles. Yeah. Why you have comments on news articles? I have no idea. Nonsense. I mean, you have it for the clicks, so they can get the, the advertising. Also, because of the Times has a has a paywall. You know, we're a subscription publication. Everyone who's abusing me has paid to do so. Yes. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, yeah. It's helpful, but it also means they can't be anonymous. Yeah, uh, you know, yet. so so people talk differently female columnist friends of mine, particularly on The Guardian, it's yeah. horrendous. You know, if you work for The Guardian, the job is basically stand here and have things thrown at you and we'll pay you for it. And I don't see much point or merit to that at all. No.
2: Um, if I can ask, paywalls or no paywalls?
3: I'm sort of pro them. I mean, I would say that because I work for a company that's got one. But I've seen what's happened to newspapers since the advent of the Internet. You know, you've got the Telegraph is insane. Yeah. I mean, it has a paywall these days, but it sacked everyone who was any good who wrote for it before they brought it in, which is the wrong way around. Um,
2: (laughs) The Independent's gone really weird as well, hasn't it?
3: But the Independent's got about eight people who work there. Oh, I think it's written by bots now, isn't (laughs) it? It From what I can tell. They're very good eight people who work there. (laughs) The editor's (laughs) brilliant. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard graft. And The Guardian is just like shoveling money into a fireplace. And really, through paywalls, The Times is coping, the FT's coping. Neither of us have had to turn into the Daily Mail, um, so I'm I'm sort of pro it. A yeah. friend of
4: mine was saying that he thought people might have been more in favour of paywalls if it hadn't been Rupert Murdoch who did the first one, and that people hate him so much they're like, right, paywalls must be bad in that case. When uh. actually, paywalls sort of I mean, you know, we're all on, on the, we're all trying to work out how to make money from do things you, on the internet. Do you
2: pay for the Guardian app?
4: Uh, I'm a Guardian member?
2: Are you? What? Yeah. That's... What,
4: does that, what does that mean? I I pay, I pay a loads of money. It's not loads of money. Is it not? It's like thirty quid a year.
2: Oh or okay. I was oh, thinking okay. of the masterclasses that cost like four hundred and fifty quid. Yeah, no, I haven't done
1: any of them. What are the perks? I should be giving them.
2: <laughs> um, uh, Sh- less guilt. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: good.
4: Smugness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a middle class Catholic. <laughs> and, uh, that's fine for
1: me. Do you think? tabloids invented clickbait oh did tabloids invent clickbait this um, sounds
4: like you know the answer what, no
1: <laughs> um, i mean
3: look the technical answer is no they didn't clickbait was invented by ah uh, there's these two american aggregate news services that are known for having invented clickbait and i can't remember what either of them are called i just i read a book about it quite recently um, do they feel bad they feel rich mm. i mean they they the way they developed clickbait was they'd push out 50 versions of every article and see which one got the most, and then refine it, and then push out fifty versions the next day, and you know, to do it that way. But I mean, tabloids, yeah, they invented that kind of. I well, you know what? I, I was going to say that, but I'm suddenly not sure. Like, because this idea of the hate reading of tabloids, you know, the, the I'm so shocked by that. I hate it. I just have to read it. That is an internet phenomenon. Mm. You wouldn't. No one used to buy the Sun because no. they hated it. You know, they might buy the Mail a bit because they hated it.
4: Or pick one up if, it, if they found one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. But um, but I mean, generally, the the making money by making people hate you is a sort of relatively recent phenomenon. Just because the economics didn't work beforehand. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna say no.
2: Why are so many newspapers right wing?
3: Okay, firstly, you gotta you gotta decide whether or not that's actually true. Okay. Yeah. So so
2: <laughs> definitely. It's called any stupid question. Um, so you can pull me up on anything.
3: Daily Mail, uncomplicatedly right wing. Yeah. Telegraph, uncomplicatedly right wing. The Sun, of course, is right wing, but only in some ways and not in other ways. Like the Sun is, it's not very socially reactionary anymore. It yeah. used to be. Still, I don't think I am going to get go, get away with saying the Sun is in right wing. At uh, the times, we would call ourselves a centrist newspaper, but people think centrist means right wing these days. I think we'd call ourselves a centrist. All the newspaper. lefties yeah. I know,
2: read the Sunday <laughs> Times. I read the Sunday the su- Times.
3: The su- well, the Sunday Times is to the right of the of the Times. Is certainly, it really? is we're, it? We're, we're, we're different, Great different culture Yeah, you know, it, it's it's all good. It's all good. Subscribe, um, but um, you know Guardian obviously left wing. Indy used to be left wing. FT, who knows? <laughs> so yes, they are more. I mean, most journalists aren't right wing. Yeah, isn't know? it
4: because the owners are well again rich I, and trying to protect? I mean, I know that that's a simplistic
3: no, version. N- well, no, I mean, like you, people who own newspapers and run newspapers want to make a success of their newspapers, right? And, and and really, when people are talking about owners dictating what's in what's in newspapers, they generally really are only talking about Rupert Murdoch and the Sun, right? Whether or not that's true. Nobody really suggests that the owners dictate what's in the Daily Mail. Everyone knows Paul Dacre really? dictates what's in the Daily Mail. No one suggests yeah. that the, the Barclays are, are saying what ought to be in the Telegraph. Probably, they probably don't even read it. Who does? Um, <laughs> so um, so I, 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 I can never really get behind the this is because this is what the owners want to happen. But newspapers are chasing readers, yeah, and the readers you want generally are wealthier readers because advertisers will pay more for them, and readers like reading things that they broadly agree with, so that sort of takes you there.
0: Oh, it's a bit depressing. That's
2: very
3: depressing. Yeah. Well,
2: I always assumed, I always assumed that you know the country as a whole was slightly left leaning, but the vote was always split. But I don't, Me I don't wrong. think that's I right. Mean, there, are, <laughs> there, are, there are quite a lot of Tory governments. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, when did Generally you... speaking, was no, that really long? Did... Labour one, wasn't there? The,
3: <laughs> the most right wing Labour government yeah. in, in fifty Labour yeah. Labour Party yeah. in fifty yeah, years managed to. Angry? I, know, yeah. I know, I know, I know. There was also this Brexit thing. I don't know if you. <laughs>
2: You've got there. That was the Russians. (laughs) Apparently, it wasn't the Russians. We found out last week. It is just that people wanted to vote Brexit. (laughs) Turns out. So, on the subject of the sun, how much do you buy into the idea that it is the sun what wins it? By that, I mean, can the sun swing an election? You know, it
3: depends on the election. I don't think the sun could, you know, suddenly back the the natural law party and all of a sudden (laughs) that would happen. I think the sun is quite good at getting itself close to power. I think The Sun makes a point of not backing somebody who isn't going to win. There was certainly a time when it really, really mattered what The Sun said, when The Sun backed Blair, for example. That Mm -hmm. was obviously important, but it was important because it was indicative of what Blair was doing, because Blair was trying to reach over to those people who wouldn't have voted Labour beforehand.
2: Which do you think came first? Do you think The Sun backed Blair and that's what pushed him forward? Or do you think The Sun backed Blair because they thought he was going to win the election?
3: I don't think they'd have backed him if they didn't think he was going to win the election. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to wants to lose. No, but but you know.
4: but wasn't it more that they thought he was capable of of winning it? They can't have been that. Com- I mean, were they that confident?
3: Yeah, that yeah, I mean- yeah. Okay. yeah, They were. So I mean, whether I don't know. No, who knows? I think um, it it probably makes a difference. Yes, I'd have thought so. You know, if the sun was backing Corbin now, yeah, lots of people who have reservations about Corbyn might think, well, if the sun's backing him, I must be wrong. You know, just but it's a, but it, that only works if you're straddling that particular bit of the political spectrum where you need to reach a bit into the right from where you are on the left.
4: Margaret. Okay, I'll ask a simple question how long have newspapers got?
3: You mean as actual printed bits yes. of paper that yes. you read? Yep. Um and
4: line the budget cake yeah. I was thinking about this, but when I get a newspaper even though there are bits that I want to get mm. to and I like reading. I sort of feel like I have to read the other bits.
1: Why? A yeah. bit.
4: Not all of it. I ripped the sport up. Can't be bothered. Um, but the news bit and stuff. There's something about the fact that I've bought mm. the actual factual bit of paper that makes me think, Well, I should get the most out of this and think... at least scan the news. And what I'm worried about yeah. is so it's like eating your vegetables before you get your pudding. Once they don't newspapers don't exist, I think maybe no one's going to eat their vegetables anymore, and what happens then?
3: Well, this is this is why newspapers are so keen on apps. You know, your your tablet edition, your even your your phone edition, is because you get to curate a whole product mm-hmm. and bundle everything together. And actually, it's written for the economics of newspapers. It's really important that you can bundle things together. You know, you plenty of newspapers fund a very expensive foreign desk off the back of a sports desk, for example. Mm-hmm. The app will save it. Newspaper. Yeah. Look, newspapers will be around for. A long time. Particular newspapers that we have now, some might not be around that much longer, and certainly not in newspaper form. Like yeah. if there's still a, if there's still a print paper Guardian yeah. in ten years' time, I'd be surprised.
4: But do but do you think there'll be any apart from Socialist Worker which will survive? Well, with? I mean yes.
3: Look, the 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 big fact you've always got to remember is that something like half a million people a day still read the Express. <laughs> Yeah. I've never met any Even of them. My i've, never granny, met, I've n- my
4: granny's been dead ages, <laughs> she still reads the Express. Yeah, she possibly does. No. It's dead. It's ghosts. I mean, <laughs> no, but,
3: but basically, people who buy newspapers are reluctant to change the newspaper they buy and the paper they read. The Express, really, in quality terms, went off a cliff 15 years ago. They haven't really noticed yet. But so, those
2: people are going to die. Yeah, exactly.
4: They're just yes. going to die, and then
3: yes, uh, and then newspapers, and then and then there will then there will be a, be a problem. But it's it's still it's you're talking 20 years until the last one of them okay. you know gets still, yeah, still, quite I think there'll still be some form of print newspaper but it probably won't be the priority of any newspaper to produce it
1: anymore Gabriel do you get upset at news programmes like Sky News and BBC News because they're basically spoilers for the newspaper <laughs> <laughs> um no should, should I because uh, <laughs> like if you watch BBC News and like why are you going to buy the newspaper because I've seen it all the night before
3: yeah, no, well, there is that. Oh, well, you mean the paper review? Mm. Well, see, they, they very cleverly stop journalists from getting annoyed by the paper review by paying journalists to come on and do the paper uh, review. That's clever, which but is pretty an- smart. But yeah, don't you get annoyed if you're not on it? Well, it's, it's more annoyed. It's, the money's not that great, and it's really <laughs> late at night, to be honest, so I, I, don't, I don't mind it not being on anymore. It can be a bit annoying, but then also you're sort of quite proud when your thing gets in. You don't generally get a lot of resentment between different news branches, really. There's more rivalry inside each one. Oh, okay, I think.
4: I also feel like they're now souvenirs for the news you liked from <laughs> that you already know. Do
2: you ever save a newspaper? I've got my I've got my nine eleven newspapers still. Oh, that's no. Oh, I think those are going to be really well, important. I think well, I have
1: saved when Bowie died. I got a bunch of newspapers and saved it.
3: Well, I we we. Well, I say we. I don't do it, but the the people who do this sort of thing, we make um, <laughs> <Daniel>. <laughs> we make the next day's newspaper with that in mind. You know, mm. you know, our uh, our sales massively spike when there's a massive event that happens the night before. You know, we do a wraparound cover. We want it to be a kind of collector's issue.
4: It's weird though. You know, when um when there are journalist awards and it's like. 9-11 and a table of people mm. get up going,
3: yay, yeah. 9-11. <laughs> I, 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 it's I don't
2: yeah. ever, ever it's remember stopped. that happening.
1: Uh, yeah. It happens all the time. No, it happens. Is it really? anything it's... with
2: the news thing, you know, yeah. news news articles. And it's always obviously a big tragedy. Yeah, but a big because, horrible so, thing. Know, yeah. Yay! Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's
4: mean, people
2: in their tuxedos
4: drinking champagne.
3: I mean,
4: Thinking about
3: joy. The press awards was it a month ago, and yeah, all the front pages that were up for awards, what, three or four of them were, were Grenfell front pages, which are amazing front pages, and it is quite odd.
2: Yeah, that yeah, it must, it must be a yeah. really strange sensation.
3: But it, it is, but it's also, it goes quite hard to the soul of, of what working in a newspaper is. It's a down and dirty profession, you know, you, you're supposed to be able to park your actual views and morality in order to chase a story sometimes. <laughs>
2: How come newspapers during an election can be as biased as they want, but TV and radio are subject to perda? Where where's that? Where does that come from?
3: The law. What's the thinking
2: behind right. it? How come that so is allowed to happen?
3: There are laws about broadcast impartiality, yeah. which means not just in elections. If you have one side of the argument on a TV, TV programme you've got to have the other side on or at least as much that amount it's why Nigel Farage kept getting on question time yeah. because it was decreed that there was this part of the argument that had to be represented and oh look he's the only person in it yeah. <laughs> so and this it is. is why we're all <laughs> yeah. slamming our heads um, against the wall when it comes to the yeah, BBC yeah. at the moment sure but um, it's worth bearing in mind that other someone like America doesn't yeah. have those laws that's why their news is shit and insane. insane. Yes. And it's just people shouting at each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, Fox News is great for that. Yeah, because, yeah. but Fox News, you've got one sort of people shouting at each other, MSNBC, you've got another sort of people shouting at each other. Nobody meets and there's no, it's just madness. But um, newspapers, you couldn't really do that with newspapers. It's a hell of a thing putting together a newspaper every day. You know, yeah. you're pulling together a team of hundreds of people to produce hundreds of thousands of words to then have to go through it and go like, you know, well, this columnist has slagged off the Lib Dems. So we need to get someone to slag off maybe the Tories and the crossword. You know, it's just it's <laughs> yes. it's just it's implausible. And also, I guess originally it comes from this idea that where it, broadcast news comes from this thing where it was piped into your house and you got what you were given, whereas people go out and choose their newspapers. So yeah. you can run away from newspapers in a way that originally you couldn't run away from broadcast news, I suppose, is the logic.
4: This is a thing that lots of liberal people like to bring up, that the apologies should be bigger. Yeah. in newspapers why has that never happened is it just an obvious
3: one reason is that the apologies that people think should be in a newspaper are not necessarily the apologies that the lawyer thinks should be in the newspaper and so the like apologies might be by agreement with whoever it is is being apologized to and the wording is very careful and et cetera, et cetera. traditionally as well another view has been that look if you put something on the front page and it turns out not to be true mm no-one's going to read a massive apology on the front page. Actually, I think everyone would read a massive apology yeah, on the front that's page. What I think. Um,
4: but is that the argument? Is it sort of like, oh, no-one want, no wants to?
3: Some, sometimes it's just impractical, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why apologies shouldn't be bigger. If you know regulators could make apologies bigger, I'd be fine with that. I don't mind. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so
2: in that case, how easy is it for a newspaper to print lies to and print... then retract? I mean, is retract that a policy? Retract them in tiny, that's what I mean. You know, yeah.
4: So to print a lie, but that's an entertaining one that lots of people will buy, and then have the apology ready for d- the next day, on page nineteen. It know. depends
3: on your lie. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're going to lie about someone, yeah. they can sue you, and they can sue you for a lot of money. They can sue you for millions. And newspapers' budgets, so although newspapers at times have a lot of money at their disposal, the day-to-day level, the budgets are pretty tight. So when you get sued, it's a problem. But you know? okay,
4: but if you, you, lying about immigrants generally, you know, right, that's sure. sort of like just yeah. a sort of vague. Uh, yeah, There's the the a whole happened. like this one in what five Muslim. What
2: was it the the son that ran the one in five Muslims of sympathy yeah. towards extremist views, stuff like that. No one's going to sue. Yeah. It's basically
1: no. all of the Daily Mail is what we're trying to say. The whole <laughs> of the Daily Mail. I would,
3: but see, I would
2: have an apology
4: <laughs> aside it <laughs> yeah. the perhaps, next day, the same length.
1: Perhaps this sounds too defensive. I don't
3: think even like that. What's going on is quite a lie. I think often with the stories that end up like that something's gone wrong you know uh something's someone's decided that's the great statistic to go for and it turns out to not be quite true and people double down and protect themselves um i because because you when you get something wrong you look stupid and nobody likes looking stupid and even you know you might know that there are virtually no daily mail journalists on twitter uh but even so when uh when the daily mail has published something that like sort of millions of people are saying this is outrageous this is untrue not just this is outrageous because it offends me but this is outrageous because it's untrue they have lied yeah. they're not having a good day you know no one wants to go there yeah but i mean there aren't uh, forgetting for, for for factual errors of errors of that sort no there aren't great re- repercussions except for reputationally
2: what's your opinion on the stop funding hate campaign so this is people who mm. have uh, contact advertisers in the Daily Mail. Um, yep. I, I think they also go for the Sun, don't they? But the Daily Mail seems to be the big flagship. And they contact advertisers saying, don't advertise in the Daily Mail. This is funding hate. What, do, you, do you think that's naive?
3: On one level, I think it's absolutely fine. It's a marketplace. Um, newspapers want to attract readers. They want to attract advertisers. If people choose to exercise that power, that's fine. But I also worry it's a bit short-sighted because speaking as you know call myself a liberal if anything's become apparent in the last couple of years there's more of them than there are of us and at the point at which they start doing that and you know the point at which you start you get a bit of it in america you'd get you get people threatening to boycott publications or tv channels that run adverts for planned parenthood or whatever yeah you know uh, the power of the boycott is not just available to good people and so I worry a bit about the precedent in that set.
2: I find all inquiries really boring, so I don't know what happened. Well, How did Leveson... That's exactly the issue. Well, I know. <laughs> Asking a stupid Sorry. question. Did Leveson change anything? Has Is, is anything going to happen?
3: Leveson changed a lot because you don't really get, in British newspapers, long lens invasive ph- photography anymore. Generally, most photographs you'll see of celebrities in... British newspapers are by people who either know it's happening or want to be there. You wouldn't get topless shots that from people who didn't know they were being taken anymore. You wouldn't get phone hacking anymore. You wouldn't get so much invasive stuff of the victims of crimes. People mm-hmm. look over their shoulder a lot. Don't forget, Leveson shot, effectively shut down a newspaper. Well, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was the hacking sound. It was, it was pre-Leveson. But it was, you know, that's a fairly major thing. So, I mean, Leveson had a big impact on the industry, I would say, yes.
2: On Gina Miller and Brexit, how... Crazy a headline can the Daily Mail put out? You know, because they had the whole thing about traitors. And, yeah. You know, how, how far can they push that?
3: We'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we definitely I, we'll I, see. Yeah, I don't think there's an end. But again, you know, there's a market for it. A lot of people agree with this stuff. Possibly more than who don't agree with this stuff. Uh, maybe we live in a world where enemies of the people is this like sort of shocking thing to put on the front of a newspaper. Yeah. There have been a lot of people who were like, "Yep."
2: Is it the Mail Online is one of the world's most read? Yeah, uh, site
3: second in the world, something like that. Third and, in the world.
2: And is that because of things? I mean, if it's in the world, surely is that because of the sidebar of shame? Does that really draw people in? You know, that you have the sidebar if you've not been on the Daily Mail Online website. Who are you talking to right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, yeah. Well, you know, just even if there's someone in prison, maybe. <laughs> um, it's got the it's got the sidebar and it's just all like this woman's got cellulite and you'll never guess what George Clooney did and all this. Sort of stuff. It literally never ends it as never well. Ends. It literally <laughs> never ends. Yeah. Just scroll down yeah. forever. Is that what brings people into that site, or is it more political than that? No, it's that. It is. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, people they... just want dirty stories about yes. celebrities and pictures. But
3: they also, the American Daily Mail is very different from the British Daily Mail. The websites. Yeah. The British Daily Mail website is very different from the newspaper. They occasionally, you know, they occasionally do the political stuff as well. I think a lot of the reason why it wasn't worth the while having Katie Hopkins anymore was because she attracted so much hate online, but relative to a picture of Beyonce in a bikini, it's just not worth the bother.
2: I mean, there are, I I know Daily Mail readers who read it because they're like, I don't like politics, and yet the Daily Mail is this screaming political headline most of the time.
3: Only in print form, though. Yeah. Only in print form, not online.
2: Journalists all wait around in a members' club smoking cigars and waiting for a scoop. No.
0: Yes. Oh, yes, they do. We just, no. just say um, yes. Is there,
2: a, is there a club that you all hang out in? No. Have you ever
1: said I've just got a big scoop <laughs> in uh, your
3: life? Have you ever said, hold I've, the front page? I've, <laughs> thought, <laughs> I've <laughs> thought I've had a big scoop, but I've been wrong. Uh, several sad several sad times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's have not, you got um, a hat with a ticket in it? No. <laughs> oh. No, why not? Uh, you need one. I'd imagine it used to be a more sociable profession than it is now. When I started... You know, I first started working in a paper, what, 17, 18 years ago, about that. Even then, there was this obvious division between the people over 40 who went to the pub every lunchtime and came back steaming and hammered away their keyboards loudly, and the people under 40 who did all the work. And these days, you just get the people who do all the work. You know, there's not the same amount of money sloshing around. You work very hard. You work much harder. So you don't all slope off to the same bar. You're not all on Fleet Street anymore for for starters so it's much more spread out the only place you'd really get anything like that is in Westminster where the the lobby they all know each other they all do drink in the same bars they do trade scoops in that kind of way so that's a bit more like the kind of the old culture used to be I reckon.
2: Did you become a journalist because you really liked Superman? No. Oh. <laughs> as
3: a, like, as a
1: child that's the only,
2: most, you know my, my first the, the first journalist I ever saw was probably Lois Lane.
3: I'm not saying I didn't like Superman, <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that was one of the driving things. Was it a
2: thing that you wanted to do? Was it, or, or was it a, a yeah. profession you fell identical. into?
3: Well, sort of both. It's what I always wanted to do when I was a kid. Then just it seemed to kind of nasty and hard, uh, like hard as in as in nasty, really, yeah. rather than difficult. Although obviously difficult. And then I um, I wanted to be a novelist instead, like all journalists. And I ended up by working worked for a website and I ended up working for a paper and then suddenly I had a career and that was that. Do you Um, still
4: want to be a novelist?
3: I am a novelist, <laughs> sorry, um, but not a very good one. Um, no, I'm much better. I'm much better at writing for papers than I am at writing novels. And, I'm, and novels, my God, they're just so long. So they're long. really long, yeah. aren't they?
2: I don't like because I, I always used to want to write a novel. Yeah, I, I just sort of write... assumed
4: it would it would happen. Yeah, you know, but now I, I don't would want have to. a novel.
3: But the
2: effort that oh, goes into God, it, a book deal, couldn't think yeah. of anything worse.
3: Yeah, I mean, and even even once it has happened. It needs to happen again, like loads of times, oh, or else you've yeah. just done it once, and it like it's like yeah. it's like a virginity that grows back. You know, it's <laughs> not appealing. Yeah. Sure.
2: So uh, before we finish, we have we can have uh, time for one question. Each. Okay. Do you think
4: writing's got worse since typing got easier?
3: No, it's got much better.
4: Because you can delete and yes, if you. But if you... do you not put less thought? in... Well, I suppose eventually it'll all come out.
2: But have no. you ever read something a twenty-year-old's written? <laughs> yeah, not good.
3: But if you find yourself a newspaper from 1983, yeah, my god, the shit! Mm. You know, it's just nonsense. It's just drunk people hammering away until they, <laughs> until the, the I don't know the box fills up, but it wasn't even a box. However, they did it. Uh, I mean, newspapers <laughs> used to be really badly written, really badly written. They're far better now.
0: Gabriel.
1: So you sort of mentioned it a, a while ago, uh, sort of the rivalry within the newspapers. Yeah. So is there like a class system in the newspaper? So is there like the guys who write about politics are the, the cool kids? <laughs> like, oh, I see. And then the guys who write about sports are idiots because they just do, oh, he kicked the ball good.
3: There's rivalry between newspapers, mm. but it's not quite a hierarchy because everyone thinks they're the best and everyone else is rubbish. So it's like everyone thinks they're in different places on the hierarchy. But within With, it, though. Within, within the newspapers, again, it's not quite a hierarchy, but there's there's certainly different cultures you know, you've got the reporters who believe they're the ones who really do all the work and are probably right. You've got the columnists who are generally better paid, often a bit older, often a bit posher, who are, I think, it's probably slightly resented for not really doing a proper job by everybody else, with a little bit of justification sometimes. You've got features writers who are very, very adaptable, generally. You know, you can feature. you I, mean, I was a features writer for a long time, and as a features writer, you'll do everything from... Going to a refugee camp in Jordan to, to writing about the new hairstyle, you know, and it's <laughs> and it's, it's it's often the same people doing all that kind of stuff. Everyone's slightly in awe of war correspondence, and then you've got the kind of the sort of senior editorial people who have to who have to juggle a hell of a lot of stuff. So it's it's a it's a lot of very different disciplines all kind of bundled together.
1: Yeah.
2: And here's my final question: Have you or anybody you know been through someone's bins? <laughs>
3: Uh, I've been through my own bin quite a lot. Um, Always throwing stuff out. I have not been through someone's bins. I must know someone who's been through someone's bins. My first staff job at the Times, I ran a gossip diary, which is a horrible job, which I I meant to do for about six months, and I did for five years. Five horrible, endless years. And um, I don't really know where the people who gave me stories got them from. I can't think of any offhand that would have been got. From going through bins, but I suspect there will have been the same people will have been selling stories else there were some of them must have gone through bins I God's sake yes of course
4: <laughs> I know' um, uh, someone who was writing a, a diary for the standard and because she was desperate mm-hmm. she was sort of inflating some people's celebrity status who mm-hmm. she knew because she knew stories about them yeah and so she takes some credit for this this person's career which I'm is sh- such a weird a weird way round isn't it that mm. becomes that, that person's become yeah, a um, star. So, what you do is you just. Someone... H-
2: if you hook up with a lowly journalist yeah. and you're their celebrity like, friend, yeah. it's sort of it's a symbiotic relationship. That's
1: what oh, I'm trying. I mean, that definitely <laughs> happens.
3: I mean, that happens with paparazzi as well. You know, paparazzi photographers often believe that they are the person who's put the person in the public yeah. eye because they've harassed them so whatever, <laughs> so, for 20 years or whatever. Yeah.
2: Is, is this how it works now? Like, if I wanted to be papped would I ring up a paparazzi and go I'm going to be outside this place without any pants on will you come and take a photo of me is that
3: that is
1: literally (laughs) what you would do yes
2: so thank you very much Hugo uh, Margaret Gabriel before we go is there anything you would like to plug Uh,
1: listen to my podcast the Free Trek podcast on iTunes Stitcher and Spotify
4: Margaret my podcast is my podcast is Do The Right Thing Mm -hmm. um, and I'm on tour in May and June in John Finnamore's Flying Visit
2: oh yeah that's uh, good isn't it
4: 2018 if you're listening the future. I listen to really old podcasts. Really, like yeah. ones from like the
2: 1900s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hugo, is there anything you'd like to plug? No. No. Oh. <laughs> what about your novels? Yeah. They sound like they Oh could yeah. Do yeah, buy,
3: buy my buy my novel. It's like been out for 10 years now, but buy anyway. Overexposure, <laughs> can I get it?
2: my guests Hugo Rifkin, Margaret Cablesmith and Gabriel Abulu. Any Stupid Questions was written and presented by me, Danielle Ward produced by Ed Morris for the internet. We now have a Twitter account, yay, at Any Stupid Cues so follow that for notices of new episodes and extra bits that we've cut out and if you listen to a lot of podcasts you'll know that we have to ask you to rate, review, subscribe and shout out of your car window to help other people find out about the show Thanks for listening